0: Hi, I'm Simon Schwal, the CEO and founder of Oco Insurance, and uh, I'm listening in Suretech Business Series podcast to keep informed about uh, the insurance news in uh, in the continent. And I invite you to do the same.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be speaking with each and every one of us. Uh, but just to start off, and uh, maybe start with Sam, right. Uh, I know that you you've spoken a bit in your profile about you know what you do and why you do what you do. But in terms of Um, the insurance beat now, right? Uh, And what Flurry is doing? Why is that important?
2: Uh, So uh, starting off, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I will say that the reason why uh, Flurry exists, you know, has less to do with um, insurance. And, you know, to be honest, we avoid... Um, the insurance tag and um, everything else that comes around that from a compliance standpoint, um, but has a lot more to do with um, the people that we serve, right? So we're primarily focused on global migrants um, as our core customers, um, and we build solutions around them uh, based on their needs and the people um, that they care for, right? Um The more interesting part about the opportunity that Fleury has is the fact that, you know, while we're addressing core problems for immigrants, primarily around how they support their family, we also realized that we had the opportunity to um, affect access to care, which, if you look at emerging markets, is not primarily driven by insurance, um, unlike North America. Right. Now, in that regard, what we're doing is taking the existing insurance industry um, as well as healthcare providers um, and creating an opportunity for them to serve a greater portion of their market simply by connecting them to um, a new source of financing. Right. And so in this case we're approaching a market problem uh, from a different perspective, right? While enabling uh, the drivers of that market, right? So when you look at the partners that we work with, AXA as an example, um, Nationwide Medical in Ghana, um, all of these companies have been doing um, their own activities within the insurance space for decades, right? We're just allowing them to be able to do more of it, to serve more people, um, but also to address a problem that hasn't been viewed um, from this perspective, which is the fact that immigrants will continue to send money to support the people that they care about. Uh We're just helping them do it more efficiently, um, Uh supporting an industry um, in the emerging markets that we're in at the same time.
1: Uh Okay. That's, that's that's interesting. Um, from that point of view, uh, I want to ask uh, Ashley now. Uh, why do you do what you do I mean, with Afina, and I mean, what the focus is in terms of your work?
3: So for for Afina, um we're all about driving more inclusion. So we're we're trying to. Um, create a Nigerian where Afina is focused on Nigeria specifically, although we have sister organizations, Pan Africa um, and collectively form what's called an FSD network. Um, And so for Afina, what our vision is a Nigerian financial system that works better for everybody, um, particularly low income groups. Um, And and coming back to the topic of insurance, one of the things that Afina does is um, as a market enabler is research um so we provide credible data about what people are actually doing including through a nationally representative survey we do every two years um and our our data shows that right now only or as of last year only 2% of nigerian adults were insured <laughs> so um one of the reasons that we're really interested in um so innovation is really core um, to what we try to promote Um, and, um, we've done a lot of research and engagement around digital financial services and FinTech, um, because we see, you know, as Sam just mentioned, insurance has existed, but we need some new models to um, kind of unlock access for those who are currently excluded um, to maybe digitize and make more secure and more efficient and more beneficial. Some of the behaviors that are already happening <laughs> informally. Um, and, and there's a lot of opportunity through new technology and new business models to do that.
1: Mm, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your research result is, is definitely very key. Um, I'm, I'm going to come to Zakaria last, right, but, but we Optimmal, right? And looking even at your your prior experience, there was no insurance in that in that in that conversation. Right? So why do you do what you do at? October?
4: Yeah, um so uh, very interesting. So most people don't realize that um actually have a, a very strong insurance background, uh, but never worked in the insurance industry. Uh, so I studied insurance for. Uh, for four years in the university as my first degree, so from a technical oh, wow. point of view, I probably understand a lot of insurance. But you know, I graduated. I went into insurance because I always saw the opportunity. You know, from a long term point of view, you know, like Ashley said, only two out of hundred Nigerians have any form of insurance or less, um, and it's worrisome. So I grew up in the era when the banking Uh, sector transition from a very manual uh, era and uh, suddenly has built uh, lots of billion dollar worth uh, companies. Uh, So it's for sure that insurance would also go through that kind of curve. Uh, it's just uh, about how, when, and uh, who are the players that would enable that growth. And so, for me, it has always been about the long-term opportunity about insurance. Uh, so, but after you know graduating from university, I I never worked in the insurance industry, and this was deliberate because I was shocked in my you know first uh, exposure uh, to the insurance industry, and I felt that there was no change that I was going to be able to effect uh, coming from within. Uh, And I felt that I had to go learn a bunch of other skills and actually approach the problem from a different uh, uh, angle. And so I went to get an MBA, worked a bit in private equity, and uh, got the opportunity to work with Jumia. So I was very early founding team of Jumia, uh, even before it was called Jumia. Um, I, I set up the fashion uh, uh, first set of local recruits uh, in Jumia. Set up the fashion um, called Sabunta out of you know a warehouse back in tw- 2012, uh, warehouse and you know an apartment in 1004, Literally, there was no office there, and that was my realization that this is what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing: just building tech-enabled businesses. Uh, and given my background in insurance and my passion uh, for the insurance space, it only makes sense uh, to build for the insurance space. I feel like I would be doing insurance a lot of disservice if I was you know, building in other areas and not actually dedicating my knowledge, exposure over the years. Uh, but you know, on a more personal note, um, I've seen the impact of not having insurance personally in my own life. Growing up seeing uh my parents you know maybe struggle from a, a car uh a car accident a minor car accident that you know should probably uh take insurance to fix in a week or two ends up putting the car down for maybe a whole year or two now a car that's supposed to be income generating for 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 just because he didn't have uh, you know, a basic insurance cover that, that is compulsory for everybody. So I, I've always wondered why. And so I've decided that you know this is one area that I'll spend uh, you know, the good part of my younger life uh trying to solve. And yeah. uh having engaged with the insurance industry over the years, uh digitization is clearly going to drive that good, you know, like Ashley referred to. Um we so one of OctaMile is just really building. Uh, the the infrastructure for the digitization of insurance. Uh, We see the insurance as a value chain. Um, What happens through that whole insurance journey? uh, We're trying to enable, uh, build the rails, build the infrastructure Mm. to enable current insurance Mm. players in the industry uh, to to, to deliver a much better insurance product to to their service, to to their current customers. Mm. And, Mm. you know, also unlock this opportunity you know, everybody just keeps talking about the potential of under penetration uh for for so long uh but you know i think it's by uh, and so that's why we built octa mile to actually give our best shot at solving this problem
1: Okay, all right uh, thank you thank you very much David. i can it also sense the passion in there right and so thank you thank you very much so for, for zachariah like right? uh well, I mean, why why investment i mean we're reading your 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 <laughs> Your profile then there's there's a musician part there. I
5: mean <laughs> uh, you mean why insurance? or why Yeah, why, yeah.
1: Why, why investment like why why in that that space with Launch Africa?
5: So you have folks like I mean incredible entrepreneurs like Sam and um do you prefer uh Benro or Dara? What do you what do you what, what do you prefer going by, Dara or Benro?
4: Benro works, but you know, these days people call me Dara as well, more like Benro, but you know,
5: where is is my first name. Sweet, I'll call. I'll call you Benro. Though, so, so so there are folks like Benro and and Sam that are so passionate about what they do. They're experts in their domain expertise. I mean, just to use the word expertise twice in one sentence, but that's that's that is something that I could never do. I I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD. I cannot do just one thing, um, and the world moves forward because of people like yourselves, entrepreneurs like yourselves. But entrepreneurs like yourselves need enablers that can support and back multiple people um, in different value-adding ways. So to sort of dumb it down, I I love knowing a little bit about a lot of things um, okay. because I get too bored personally knowing a lot about just one thing. So if you wake me up at 3 in the morning and say, could you talk to me about Drones in agriculture, and also about you know education in the digital space in Kenya. Oh, and uh, what's what's happening in healthcare in Rwanda? I'll probably have a coherent explanation for all those things and ninety-five other things. But you, the world sometimes needs generalists as much as they need experts. So I'm, I think I'm playing my little small part in the African continent to to help. Um, grow ventures like Optimile and Flurry and the many others and then you have folks like Ashley that put it all together by working with governments with corporates, with think tanks uh, with DFI so I think every part of the ecosystem plays a very unique role and I happen to have found my niche in the um, the VC space. The One thing I will say is as an early investor in a lot of African tech startups you've got to add a lot more value than just your money. Um, I'd actually swip the, uh, switch the question on its head and say, you know, money is probably the last thing you should be adding uh, from a value-creating perspective. When you get to Series B and Series C, of course, your checkbook goes so much further. But if you're at seed, pre-Series A, or even pre-Seed, you got to be adding networks. You got to be adding value from a POC, a proof of concept, a pilot, a JV perspective with with large insurers, with banks, with reinsurers, with telcos, you got to play, you got to be able to, to liaise between the large corporates on the continent and all these passionate founders and be able to tell a story that makes sense in corporate speak. And for many years, you had so many of these incredible African founders. I've lived in Africa now for 11 years that we're so afraid to even walk up to the front lobby of a Sandlam, or an All Mutual, or a UAP, because you're like, oh my god, these 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 old men with briefcases, I, they're just so intimidating. There's no way, I could I could talk to All Mutual, you know, or a Sandlam or a Discovery. And and I happen to live in South Africa, where every major insurance company on the continent, their their office is in a one mile radius in Johannesburg and Centen. For those that haven't been there, so. Part of what we do as a fund, as an accelerator, and I've spent 10 years doing this, is just being able to, 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 to be a bridge between distribution, which is, by the way, the biggest hurdle to scaling any tech startup on the continent is distribution. Distribution and data. And Sam, I mean, I'm just full disclosure, our fund is an investor in, in Flurry, So, um, you know, the, the biggest hurdle is distribution, right? So if you can't acquire customers quickly efficiently and with minimal resources um you're screwed you're going to spend a lot of time and money trying to acquire customers and you can't focus on you know your product your tech your marketing um and that's the role of investors vcs really have to as they say in baseball um step up to, the, to the plate it, it, it's your term it's, it's, it's your time in the in the limelight and you got to do something for your founders. Um, that they cannot do themselves. Founders need to focus on product, on tech, and on making the best possible solution for, for a market. And it's your job as the VC, as an advisor, to help them with everything else. Because when you free up time for founders, you help the ecosystem grow. And a lot of VCs, unfortunately, I won't name them, just don't do enough of that. And one of the things that I strongly believe in is with the right team, we can help founders a lot more than they can help themselves because we help with all the stuff on the outside okay. that's one of the reasons why I do what I do all right,
1: great great i um, mean thank, thank you very much for that that was that was that was great um, so looking down on insurance and insurtech specifically right i i want I want to go back to Ashley right in terms of um, the work that you do and what you are seeing in this space, right? Uh, considering where insurance is, you know, today in Nigeria, even on the continent, uh, you know, are there other numbers, you know, that you could share with us that talks about kind of like the potential of, you no, know, or not of, you know, insure tech, you know, in this space and the, the things that insure tech can actually help the industry to do and achieve? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news and insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsureTech Business Series and stay updated.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that the potential is really tremendous. <laughs> so obviously, we see that Um, almost at least for Nigeria, almost no Nigerians are insured. If I were to summarize, I mean, even those who have insurance don't may not have their full set of risks covered. Right. Um, So, so there's a lot of room for, for improvement in this space and there's a really tremendous untapped market. Um, And while we've seen, um, you know, acceleration in the, in the fintech space in Nigeria, um, you know, a lot of activity initially has been around payments and and credit or lending. Um, So there's, there's um, the insure tech space is um, sort of less occupied. (laughs) There's a lot of opportunity to still come in, come into that sector. And, um, you know, it's really great to, um, I think that the, the panelists here actually provide some really good examples, um, around the breadth of, of different types of offerings that they can come into that space. Uh, I mean, in terms of just to talk a little bit about potential. So really, I mean, the potential market is, is everybody, right. Um, everybody, uh, sort of. Has to manage risks in their lives. Um, and we, you know, Athena, for example, in our nationally representative access to financial services in Nigeria surveys, we ask people, did you have an event in your life last year that made it really difficult to pay for things? Um, and six out of 10 people said yes, right? Um, we we see that only about a quarter of Nigerian adults are considered financially healthy. By our measurement, um, a, a lot of people are financially vulnerable, and really just one risk away—you um, know, one—you know, as you mentioned, one car accident, um, one illness away um, from falling into a situation where they they can't make ends meet. Um, but but I think in terms of you know potential reach, we see that um, I mean over that we still have ways to go, but over half of Nigerian adults now are in the formal system. So 45% are banked. Um, Some others either use microfinance banks or or some other regulated providers. Um, Many of them, you know, have BBS. (laughs) About half of Nigerian adults are in the system, um, increasingly transacting digitally, um, increasingly using agents as well, um, instead of just bank branches. Um, So we see kind of a, um an easier to reach market of the people who are already in the system. Um, and then I also see a lot of potential around um kind of expanded reach to those who are not, you know, the other half of, of Nigerian adults who aren't in the system. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, we see more growth in agent networks. Um, I'm hopeful that with the new payment service banks that are coming online, um, that they'll Hopefully, expand some of the reach we've not been able to achieve in Nigeria, bring more people mm-hmm. into the system, into having accounts, mm-hmm. having VVNs, and things like that. And those can mm-hmm. then, um, you know, insurance providers can then layer on top of those digital rails um, mm-hmm. and extend insurance services to those people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, um, Benro, so looking at, I mean, some of these numbers and some of the things that uh, Ashley has mentioned, right, uh, what's, what's the color of, of the opportunities that you are seeing for insurance uh, distribution, really, uh, on the continent? I'm sure that your, your goal is, is is for the continent, not just Nigeria, not at least in the start of Nigeria, but what are you seeing in terms of how you're really solving those things? Uh, so, you know, we see
4: various uh, models happening in the uh, insurance space uh, with regards to distribution. Uh, but um, and in the past, one of the things I've done in the past was actually I co-founded an online uh, comparison platform for insurance um, super early days. So that was learning around distribution as well. And um so but timing also was, was was also a very important factor uh you know back then. I so I think that distribution will take various shapes and uh, it's got to come uh from the existing infrastructure uh from the existing where there's existing market. so like like actually as she said there's BVNs uh, we know people have bank accounts. We know people trade. Uh, so I think that's where distribution uh, needs to be plugged into. Um, and so it's gonna come in various forms of partnerships, uh, whether it's with the, um, the government, with the regulators, whether it's uh, with um, existing companies, fintechs, it's gonna come with a lot of collaboration where there are existing users, where there's existing demand for um already uh, for things that people are already consuming. So you see, insurance is kind of like uh, a, a lifestyle product. Um and except that it is it only comes uh afterthought most times, after you acquire the, the the transaction. Um so people have to figure out how to make it much, much more seamless and integrate this as easily into the lives of everyday people. Um, and I think that that's yeah. what, um, that's the fundamental theory behind how we uh, approach distribution. Um, so uh-huh. we, we're building various tools for various partnerships for various players within the ecosystem uh, to enable distribution. One example uh-huh. is we have an app uh, on, on Play Store uh, or rather, about to go live on Play Store. It's been in beta for for a, a uh, for a few weeks now. Um, so what this does is enable existing car dealers to sell insurance at the point of sale. Um, how can you? What kind of tools can you build for the uh, car insurance for 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 the auto industry to sort of make it much seamless, much easier? Uh, to buy insurance. How is it currently happening? Uh, so it comes from a lot of uh, sitting with um, all the existing players, uh, existing regulators, and trying to explore, innovate around business models. Uh, yeah. So a lot of what we're doing is business model innovation, uh, just trying to find a new way, giving our own experience, our specific context of the Nigerian economy, yeah. uh, and, and how to innovate around the insurance uh within the regulatory context um and within yeah. the, the tech environment uh,
1: uh, as well okay all right uh thank thank you very much thank you very much for that speaking about innovation right uh so i mean two weeks ago um f s d africa uh you know launched uh, an initiative the Bima lab initiative uh in Nigeria, so this is something that's been running in in Kenya and then in ghana uh, and, uh It's an exciting thing because, again, want to also accelerate um, innovation within the space. And um, so from from the point of view of participating in some of these kind of accelerator programs, uh, Sam, now, I know that you have been uh, a part of a couple uh, in the past. What kind of value do you get from being a part of, of some of these things? And I mean, why should? Uh, you know, in short, who are on this call, you know, be being a, be taking advantage of of this opportunity that that Juma Lab offers.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health. We were working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways. Microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on insuretech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy.
2: Um, you might be opening a kind of worms, uh, you know, if you're asking about accelerators. But um, let's let's try not to uh, to get there. But instead, um, look at the the larger opportunity. Right. So, two things that I wanted to uh, touch on, as Berra was um, was speaking. Um, One, I think part of the opportunity that exists is for us to look at our daily lives um, and the areas where we're currently investing in um, to start to create opportunity around there. What ultimately we all want in the ecosystem is for the larger population to recognize the need uh, for insurance, right? Because everybody, well, for formal insurance, everyone in Africa has insurance. Right. His name is Jesus. Um, but when when you move, when you move past that one, right, um, you're gonna have to get like people to adapt to this whole different you know type of insurance, right? Because Jesus has agents, he has pastors in churches who really do a very good job of distributing that kind of uh you know insurance. But on our side, I look at it as as Africa's investment tends to go towards fintech, especially for now, we need to look at the areas where people are actually um, interacting with technology um, and interacting with services um, of this new to start in setting that, right? Merrill spoke about, you know, how buying a car, right, is the right point at which you want to be introducing insurance rather than creating friction with the whole new process that is standalone from that. And so when you look at people taking loans, all of the FinTechs that we're seeing, right, um, are all geared around, um Lending, uh, savings, investments. And these are the places where we need to start thinking about this. In the U.S., right, um, when you save money, right, 250K of that is federally insured. That's your FDIC, right? Now, how do we create opportunities for this? Because our governments are not necessarily going to do that. And so we need to start looking at ways that we can create micro behaviors um, and insert insurance in these ways. As you look at things like um, lending, right? Recently, we've had these situations where people are posting either obituaries with the pictures of lenders or people who um, went to borrow money, right? And are defaulting and and all of that. How about we started creating a little bit of insurance for the money that you go borrow, right, um, either pegging into your inability to work as a result of a sickness, uh, disability or anything else. Right. Or when we buy homes, think about it. Most people, the the largest assets that they will own in Africa, and we spend 40 years plus building our own homes, right? Only to have a thunderstorm, lightning strike, mm-hmm. um, the house is gone, and 40 years of your life is gone. There mm-hmm. are things that people tend to look at and think about a little bit more securely or more interestingly than um, others. It's hard to sell health insurance in Africa. Mm-hmm. Why? Because as a people, you rank all of your other needs, right? And until your body is literally dying, you're not going to prioritize that, which was intentional for Flurry, right, as a starting point, because that situation that Africans tend to create for themselves is felt worse by the family member who's abroad that they're going to tend to and say, oh, mommy was just sent to the hospital or there's an emergency or this person needs a surgery. Right. And so for us, while you deprioritize that on the continent, the person who's abroad has to hold that as a priority and creates the incentive for them using a product like story. Right. Mm-hmm. And then coming to the second question that you asked. Right. Around the way that we're looking at this um, uh, opportunity. Right. For me, it's about access. Um, How can I create opportunities for uh, for us to be able to work in making more people able to access insurance. Um, There's something that we're working on that I can't announce now, um, but on on the wider sense, is around taking cities and state governments, right? And tapping them into the opportunity that Larry is seeing, Right, and that's when you're gonna see that, um, you know, shortly, but, What we're doing at FLERI is essentially like creating our own way of socializing access to care, right, at this point with FLERI Health, Mm -hmm. uh, where if you look at the National Health Insurance Scheme, you want people to be able to contribute to it. But if we took that and we turned it around, right, can we incentivize a different type of population to pay for this? and that for me is the opportunity that I see in being able to take the problems that we're all trying to solve around insurance distribution, um, insurance mm-hmm. access, and look at alternative models, right, for the other people who might be interested, um, okay. and be able to finance it, right? Because the financing will always be a challenge from the larger consumer base. But if you start looking at the other people who have an incentive to finance that, I could tell you, um, one of the most interesting ones is for VCs like Zach, right? Um, investing in a founder who lives in Nigeria, right, should always come with a key man insurance policy, period. Mm-hmm. Because the amount of risk that a founder takes being in Nigeria, right, going from office to home and being stopped, right, or traveling between Abuja and, and, and Lagos driving, right, what kind of that risk is. We should be thinking about how we really are building behaviors from there and then starting to get the companies who are VC backed to start thinking of insurance in a different way from the, for their own employees, right, and the key- Employees that they're investing in, I think mm-hmm. these are some of the things that will start to build behaviors um, first from you know the group of people who are building companies, and then their employees, and you'll start to see it in the wider workforce, right? Which is also going to start trickling down to how we decentralize it to the folks that are buying from a kiosk or maybe a mobile money mm-hmm. vendor. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: thank, thank, thank you very much for that. Um, so, is so, so Zach, right? Um, you know, Sam and Benro, and, and so, so one thing that, that is clear from what they are doing is, I mean, they're building uh, purpose driven companies, right? They are, they are tackling a specific thing, uh, Benro creating uh, that um, infrastructure, and some seeing that opportunity and, and going after it. Are those the kind of things that you're looking for in, in short text who you are reviewing and who are you know, feedbacks to you? Um, so are those the things that you looked at? You know, in the companies that you are invested
5: in uh, currently. I think there was there was a point that one of the panelists made earlier about you um, know um, the, just the 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 importance or, or or the importance of not harping so much on creating jobs and measuring impact, I, 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 I understand why a lot of funds pay a lot of importance to ESG, for example, or into, you know, with, you know, going through a fine tooth comb around how people can measure impact in their investments. And I understand that. But the reality is, if you've got a continent of 1.4 billion people, of which, you know, Nigeria alone has about two hundred fifty million people, and the adult population in—I mean, in—in um, in, in Ashley's words, two percent. I think that's about right. Two percent are uninsured. Sorry, are are insured. Still, so, uh, there's a huge, huge opportunity from a commercial perspective um, to to just increase the awareness. I mean, insurance has always been a grunge purchase. Let's just you know call it call a spade a spade, right? So the key. The key message that needs to be conveyed is that insurance is less of a grunge purchase, but it is, it, is, it is saving lives. It is saving relationships. It's saving, you know, the future of children's education, the future of health. And anything in life, the moment you bring it down to something that you are, I call it the push versus the pull, right? If you are, if you are pushed to doing anything, you're going to look for ways to not do it right? But if you're pulled to something, you do it because you want to, not because you have to. So the marketing around, I think I think the insurance industry has a big problem on its hands from a marketing perspective, right? Why, why are casinos perpetually full, but insurance companies cannot sell a policy, right? It's because casinos pull people, insurance companies push people to, to buy something. So they need, and of course, I mean, I love Sam's, analogy of, you know, the biggest competitor to an old mutual or a Sandlam or a discovery or a hollard or a UAP is the church. And he's a hundred percent right. I mean, I've been to Lagos several times and I've talked to very senior people at insurance com- uh, companies, Bema, and you near know, the likes of it. And they're like, no, our, our biggest <laughs> challenge is pastors and mega pastors. And I, and I get it. I think but then, but then on the flip side, look at the funeral insurance industry, right? Um, funeral insurance has more cover per capita on the African continent than anywhere else in the world, right? Uh, higher than, I mean, so um, most of our investors are from Europe and specifically Switzerland. And you wanna know about overinsurance? go to Switzerland. People, have insurance on everything it is it is easier to sell insurance in Switzerland than it is to sell jollof rice on the streets of Lagos. It is wow. <laughs> you can sell insurance to anyone. The Swiss are just paranoid about everything um, which is why the, you know the the three largest reinsurers in the world are in switzerland and and Germany you know meaning mm-hmm. Hanovere mm-hmm. and Swiss um, but the one thing that the continent has going for itself is funeral insurance. And to a large extent, that's that's backed by the church, right? So I think what needs to be done, and this has nothing to do with tech, so this is completely outside of my domain expertise, but stories need to be retold, right? Why did a a country like Nigeria, that six and a half to seven years ago, had almost no fintech investment at all I've been doing VC on the continent since 2014, and there was nothing. I mean, the most innovative FinTech in Nigeria, you know, 10 years ago was InterSwitch. And I wouldn't call them innovative by any standards today, right? They mm-hmm. happened to be unicorn just because they were, you know, they were the first kids in the block, I right? And, and Nigeria today, six and a half to seven years later is, you know, the holy grail of FinTech on the continent. What happened with FinTech seven years ago in Nigeria was the stories that were told about the need for financial inclusion were told in the right way. They were around, Mm how can I pay and get paid through a um, a mechanism where I save money, I can help my relatives to hold remittance argument. if I can't get a loan from a bank, how do I approach alternative lenders? That's how the, the unsecured lending industry boomed, right? So you have to look at what, what landed well in the fintech space and learn from those stories and try and apply that to the insurtech industry, right? So, for example, in, um, if you look at so the hardest insurance to sell is life insurance, Right, I think I think we call, we can all agree on that. Maybe people disagree, but it's one of the hardest. Go talk to a life insurer; they'll tell you the hardest insurance policy to sell is the life insurance policy, right? Um, and for lots of reasons. Think about it. I mean, what is the average age that people get married today? It, it used to be nineteen during World War II because people wanted to have kids before they the men went off to fight in the war. It was it was insurance against not having. I mean, so marriage, if you think I'm I'm digressing here, but it's but but it's interesting okay. stuff. Marriage, the, the concept of marriage was essentially insurance against a man dying in in, in in a war. I bet no one's told you that, right? But if you think about it, your great grandparents got married during World War One and World War II, so they could continue the bloodline. So marriage essentially was an insurance policy, if you think about it, right? Um, but I mean, if if you if you fast forward generations, um Less and less people get married, right? Less, less and less people live together. People are having less children. So in in a life insurance policy, what are you essentially selling? You're, you're, you're selling a huge payout to a beneficiary. If you're not married and you don't have dependents, why would I ever have insurance? If I'm six feet under, I don't need anything. I don't care if, you know, you see where I'm going. Unless you want to insure your parents, and we've moved away from joint families to nuclear families. So this is all cultural, anthropological, non-quantitative stuff, but it's so important to understand the life insurance industry. So life, if you're an insurtech, right, this is important to folks like Dora and, and Sam. If you're an insurtech, you should be spending all your hard-earned time and money pitching life insurers because they are losing business Every minute, life insurers are going bankrupt because millennials and Gen Zs ain't getting married. If they do, they're getting married much later. They're not having kids as, as we used to in our generations before. So life insurance is becoming completely redundant. So anything you can do as an insurtech tech to, to, to increase the, the margins and volume that life insurance have, life insurers have, is... Is, is like manor from the desert to them.
0: Hi, I'm Simon Schwall, the CEO and founder of Oco Insurance. And uh, I'm listening in InsurTech Business Series podcast to keep informed about uh, the insurance news in, uh, in the continent. And I invite you to do the same.
5: It is easier to pitch mm. or to solve a problem for a, a, a property casualty insurer or um, content insurance. I mean, content insurance is the easiest insurance to sell. Because you're insuring against crime, against theft, against looting, whatever. But life insurance is extremely hard to sell. So a lot of insure tech founders stay away from life insurance because it's hard to sell. But ironically, that's what you should be selling the most because your distribution agents, which is the old mutuals, the et etc., are going under and they will do anything. They will throw mm. money into solutions <laughs> that, can, that, that can keep them afloat longer, right? So I would, yeah. say, I would, I would say life insurance is probably the most disruptable of all the insurance um, solutions out there, followed very closely mm. by right. medical insurance, then property mm. and casualty, and then probably motor vehicle. I mean, the majority mm. of insuretechs in Africa are solving you know, motor insurance problems, right? Mm. So I'm just saying, it's it's before people start building beautiful pieces of technology like Sam and Dora building. Think of who you're addressing and why you're addressing mm-hmm. it. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's often to start. It's it's often important to start with the story. <laughs> when we back companies at this stage, we don't look at spreadsheets because spreadsheets. The only thing mm-hmm. right about spreadsheets is that they're wrong, right? <laughs> so um, so we look at why you're doing something. Have you really understood the cultural dynamics of a market before you get into it? Mm-hmm. And how have you been able to tell the right story to intermediaries, which are mm-hmm. your distributors? And once you solve mm-hmm. that problem, then we can start talking about ROIs and returns and impact. But- wow. Yeah. Mm, great, great. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to come to Ashley
1: uh, a bit around uh, innovating around some of the things that, um, that I had mentioned. Right? But- uh, Zachariah, just to get your thoughts on this now. By the way, Zach um, is cool. Zachariah
5: sounds like I've done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Zach.
1: Yeah, right. Um. How how far are we, you know, as shorted from um, the very first uh, InsureTech unicorn on the continent? I mean, how far matured are we? Um, We've seen a number of people come up, yes, General, uh, you know, there is. Uh, casava, you know the islami alpha direct who you're backing uh you know how far are we from you know inter the far i mean
5: i'm 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 the forever optimist, but on this i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate and say we're probably a couple of years away from a unicorn in the insurance space. I hope that Sam proves me wrong <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, all for that matter, by the way, uh, Dara, I know one of your largest backers, EcoVC, I love what they do. Um, so you're very grateful to have them as on your cap table. Um, the thing with insurance is it needs to be, you need to be able to scale across borders as effectively as you do in the fintech space. And up until now, that hasn't been the case. Once that starts to happen, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of innovation and and, and, and uh, much, much much uh, much higher increases in in valuation um, in the in the insure tech space. The reality mm-hmm. is insurance tends to be very country and region specific, unlike payments and unlike asset management and unlike lending. Um, if you to get an insurance license, and this is the regulation side of things, it's not as easy as yeah. getting a license to provide credit. You know, I mean, one of our biggest investments is CUDA, CUDA Bank. You know, they're two and a half years old and they have, you you know, you could literally get a license to lend and accept deposits by acquiring small microfinance banks across the continent. And Bob's your uncle in three years or in two years, you're now in 16 countries. With insurance, Hmm. it ain't that easy. Right. Um, So the moment... Regulations across the insurance industry um, ease up and you can scale across borders a lot easier, then I think you'll see valuations pick up. Also remember mm-hmm. that multiples, that, this is an important but I, I, I don't want to talk too long here, but if you're an insure tech, to so take, for example, Alpha Direct, one of our investments in Southern mm-hmm. Africa, the multiple that you get as an insure tech is basically a multiple of premiums collected, right? So your net revenue is your net premium collected for the most part, right? Unless you're a software as a service platform, won't, well, won't, we won't talk about that now. So it's very hard as an insured tech to get a multiple of anything more than 10X your annual revenue. So, because although your revenue is a lot more stable, right, It's essential, it, it, it's essentially premium collection. The moment you stop paying your premiums, your revenue tap runs off, right? So if you go through a financial difficulty or you don't feel like paying your premiums or you want to stop your cover, it's very easy. You shut off the tap. So premium revenue, so you can have a a lot of revenue, but a good VC will not pay you a high multiple. I can tell you now, like to get anything more than 5X revenue for an insure tech, tough. Let's just call a spade a spade. You can have much lower revenue as a company like a Chipper Cash that does remittances or a payment integrator like a Flutterwave. You can have very high transaction volume, very low margins, but a very high revenue multiple, right? Because even though the revenue isn't as high, it's more sticky, if that makes sense. I'm using a lot of VC jargon, so please excuse me. So... The insurance industry needs to move into a model where you're not reliant only on the collection of premium. The moment you can make revenue from transaction fees, from a subscription-based model, and premium collection, now you can start the weighted average pr- uh, multiple goes up. And that's mm-hmm. when you can start generating higher revenues, uh, sorry, valuations, and therefore get yeah. to your Okay. All right.
1: Uh, thank it's you fun. very much. Ben.
2: I was dropping a lot of gems um, on <laughs> this call. And, and I think that if, you know, they're, they um, you know, entrepreneurs or um, soon to be entrepreneurs uh, listening, I think okay. this is one of the areas where there is a lot of space, a lot of space for innovation, um, but, like with the last five minutes, right? Zach has essentially uh, laid out, you know, the areas that you should be focusing on, uh, a summary of what the opportunity is, and uh, the actual distribution of the of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. also laid out, you know, where you want to be as a company, right, which sometimes a lot of people don't really get a chance to analyze. And you would have paid an analyst to be able to kind of understand, you know, where your company should be in relation to, uh, to the yeah. market. Right. And so uh, that's a ton of value add, um, you know, for the discussion. Um, What I'll add to that is also for, you know, uh, to be entrepreneurs to also think about the fact that, you know, that distribution that he talks about um, more and more. From a fintech perspective and an insurtech perspective, right, um, distribution for tech today is a lot tougher, given the fact that uh, traditionally insurance has been sold using people going to doors and going to knock. Today, we're seeing that fintech is rising above that primarily because it's playing on technology, right? People have already experienced a behavioral change, right? And technology is aiding that. On the insurance side, we haven't experienced the behavior change yet, which makes um, technology a lot harder to be able to pick up and then provide that multiplier. And so how do we need to really think about it? The way that we we think about that, and for other entrepreneurs who are kind of thinking about it is to look at all of the different areas where people are already adopting technology, right? And layering on. So we talk about like, you know, um, embedded insurance as being a huge part of the opportunity that exists across the board, right, whether it's in the States or it's it's in Africa. And we need to think about things uh, from that standpoint. Right. We talk about the church and uh, I love to hate and, and all of that, but. The church as a distribution um, you know, opportunity is also huge. Why? Because if you go to any church in, in Africa, and I grew up as a master, I right, spent a ton of time in, in the church. Every time someone passes away, part of the reason why my grandmother, my mother and a bunch of other people go to church is because it provides in its own way. A social, a social cover, right for the hardships that you go through. Imagine what a widow would do when, her, um, when, when a woman loses her husband, she belongs to a church. She now has a community of people who don't just provide like, comfort and emotional support, but also provide you know, financial support. And so when you think of these churches around, they are potential points of distribution. Right. By providing a church with an incentive, right, and the church has a lot of incentive, right now they take money out of their collections to be able to support people. What if you could build a product that essentially allows the, the church to ensure every member and peg it to the dues? that they're paying, right? Because everybody pays uh, tight and to use a church, right? You could start building out a distribution model that actually works with people. Um, Think again about the things that are really common with us. And I I didn't grow up like fancy or anything. kiosks are really, really common everywhere you go in Ghana. These days they're getting digitized. Um, People bet a lot. What if you could bet Um, and your losses could get insured, the same way we do here, right? By finding ways in which we can start to make insurance a thing that people recognize and understand, right? It will be easier for us Mm. to reach that point of behavioral change, which is going to create Mm. more opportunity for insurtechs. Right. Um, The second part for Zach's comment around part of the challenges for um, insurtechs that want to become unicorns, right, has always been regulation. Uh, And I'm not going to spill the beans here. But this is a primary part of why Flurry operates the way it does, um, and the opportunity that we have, right. Um, We started out with our pilot in Ghana, um, you know, came to Nigeria, now we're in Zambia, Zimbabwe, um, all without having to have, you know, a local establishment, right? And that's primarily looking at, you know, the, the dynamics that tie the relationships that we're supporting in all of our stakeholders, right? And so while we recognize that opportunity, I think that there are other ways that even Shortex that are present um, on the continent and operating. Mm-hmm. There could start to look at the stakeholder relationships. Um, versus the traditional way in which it's been done um, to, to start to scale some of these um other issues that exist. And there are ways yeah. of doing that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh so because of time, I just want to close up with, with with Ashley, right? Um, looking at all of these things that have been said in terms of you know innovation and you know product distribution, uh, how we can rethink all of these things. Uh Dima Lab, right? Uh, it's a great opportunity, and it stands out because it, it, it's a, it's as a program where um, FSD Africa is coming bringing an initiative, but then it's involving the regulator. Back to the point that uh, that Sam did make, right? You know, speaking about you know innovation, and then being a part of accelerator programs such as this. I mean, what benefits can this bring for the space in Nigeria and all of the other markets where this has, has been happening?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so you mentioned FSD Africa, FSD Africa is a sister organization to Afina part of the same FSD network. Um, and, and Afina is a local partner on the, this BIMA lab program that just launched. Um, we're providing some kind of evidence and support to the market as they launch in Nigeria. Um, so, so BIMA lab, I, I, I think it's a really interesting model and they've had some traction in other countries, um, because as you mentioned, um, it's a sort of an acceleration program, but also uh, really brings in the regulator quite closely. So we we know for Afina, you know, we work with the, the various regulators. Um, you know, we've had conversations with NICOM and, and NICOM has seen our data and said, look, we don't want 2% of adults to be assured in Nigeria. We need to grow that number. Um, and they've they've really demonstrated a lot of interest in driving innovative, inclusive solutions. Um, so I think NCO really has the willingness, but also the understanding that for them, as for all regulators, um, you know there there's some evolution required in terms of regulation, in terms of processes and procedures, in terms of skills of their workforce, et cetera. Um, so that's that's a place um, where FINA and, and partners are are supporting. And I think for the for the BMLA lab program specifically you know bringing the regulator in to the conversation um, is great because you have that that engagement from the get-go. Um, you know one of the things and this is kind of across fintech in Nigeria, one of the challenges we see um, that I think is really kind of a low-hanging fruit for us to solve is just communication in the space. Yeah. Um, so you know fintechs tell us that they don't they sort of don't understand regulation. Uh, then we talk to the regulators. Regulators say, oh, it's so clear. Like <laughs> it's written down here, in black and white. Uh, the the fintechs say, away, you know, we, we don't know who to call. They don't answer the, you know, we send a, a message. We can't get a response for a few months. So I, I think that um, that kind of engagement is an advantage to the program. Uh, we also hear... And so this is actually one reason I think what Zach is doing is really interesting. But we hear from some other investors um, in Nigeria that, um, you know, they have more sort of foreign capital that wants to come in and invest in the market, but they're struggling to find investable businesses um, because a lot of the investors here um, are not you know, interested in, in engaging with the, the very early stage companies and doing some of the handholding mm-hmm. and support. Right. Um, you know, yeah. it's not the model. They just don't have the capacity for whatever reason. Um, so I think yeah. that, you know, part of um, what I'm hoping will come out of the Lab program um, is some, you know, very strong investable um, kind of businesses or opportunities um, so yeah, so the um, I think the application closes tomorrow. So we'll see. Um, we'll hope yes, to see yes. a lot of um, strong applicants from, from Nigeria, and we look forward to uh, kind of supporting them in that journey.
1: Right. Great. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, this is also an opportunity for everyone who is who is listening and watching. I mean, if you the application is still open until tomorrow, so you can definitely apply. So I mean, thank you very very much. It's been uh it's super amazing uh, conversation. Uh I will give it to follow me and I think we have a few questions from from the audience. There's a question around uh, Vax, uh album. So <laughs> they, want, they want to get your album. So <laughs> but yeah follow me. <laughs>
0: Sure. All right, again, thank you everybody for this um, amazing and very, very interesting um, session. Like Damola said to um, Zach, someone is asking how they can access your album. Perhaps they could understand how you get the inspiration mm-hmm. for VCs and you know, those that you actually um, uh, you know, invest in. Perhaps that, that would sort of give them an inspiration. Sure.
5: Um, <laughs> All right, I'll, so... I'll post a link.
0: Okay, awesome. Awesome. That's perfect. Then um, to you, I know that Ashley um, mentioned this in, in this um, last conversation, but then again, um, I would just like to ask, um, so this is coming from um, Ebimowe, um saying that um, how, how were you able to navigate um, around the regulatory body of insurance sector in Nigeria, precisely NICOM, especially to um, for insurtech startups. Now, this is to you and to Biro, um, as well. Like how are you able to manage those regulatory expectations?
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought that was for the providers. Um, yeah. So I think, I think on the insurance side, as I mentioned, and, and I know, um, so as I mentioned, NICOM I know is, is really interested in driving a, uh, a supportive regulatory environment for insurtech partnership in the BIMA lab is one example. I know that they're also looking at um, setting up a regulatory sandbox. Um, So that's an opportunity for, you know, uh, new business models that don't fit neatly within the existing licensing framework um, to be um, tested in this market and for the regulator to also get more visibility um, into what models are sort of entering the market. Um, I, I would say, so I, I would say that there's um, kind of good initiatives in the pipeline. I know that Netcom is also sort of relooking at its policies, procedures, um, it, it to to better enable innovation. Um, like I said, I mean, you know, I think as as I think George Bernard Shaw said, once said, the only Mistake with communication is the error in thinking it's been accomplished. Right. So I think that one opportunity is also really just having more conversations. Um, and that's something that, you know, if EFINA and others um, in this space, um, uh, you know, strive to do is, is convening um, discussions. So that's a place where we're also um, happy to uh, kind of serve as a resource from all sides um, for, for those who are. Um, you know, want to have more engagement with the regulator um, and are not sure how to do so, we're also happy to to kind of talk to you and then um, serve as an intermediary or convener to drive some more of those discussions.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, Thank you very much for that. Vero, any thoughts on this?
3: Yeah,
4: so um, similar to the response from many regulators that, you know, regulation is clear. I think insurance regulation is super clear and um, for us, we want to just play within the existing regulatory framework. Um, so we always figure a way how to play within the uh, existing framework. Plus also engaging regulators from day one uh, has always been our, our own approach. Plus um, not just the regulator on, on NICOM side, we want to work with the insurance association actively to figure out how, what, kind of, what, what are the pain points and what are the areas to innovate genuinely. Um yeah so I think it's just really like you said a communication uh trying to improve communication with regulators and actively car- carry them along with with the plants uh, there um yeah
0: awesome um i think I think that actually sort of addresses it and and I like the fact that again um with the um initiative of the BIMA lab in Nigeria, that sort of shows um, a regulatory impact in that space. So um, kudos and thank you for um, those responses. Now to Zakaria. Um, this is from Joel. I'd like to say that um, this is a question from Joel. Um, it was part of the BIMA lab um, winners um, in Kenya. So he's sort of asking that um, are there any recommendations of angel family offices or VC that look at early-stage startups. Um, so would you, like, um, have an answer to that?
5: I mean, are you talking specifically about insure-tech startups or just general early-stage startups?
0: Insure-tech startup, I, I reckon that's what Yeah.
5: Yeah. Um... I mean, I would, I'd say so KUONA, Q-U-O-N-A, is a very strong VC fund. They're focused on financial inclusion and, and insurance is a big part of their portfolio. And they cover Sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, and Latin America. And they include Pakistan as part of Southeast Asia and that demographic and Bangladesh. They're, but they typically come in at Series A um, and beyond. Um I would say you know start with all the 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 accelerators on the continent. So, I mean, so obviously Bima Labs is very high up there, but there are you know several other insurance focused um, accelerators on the continent. Um, from a from a seed stage perspective, there's a um, there's a fund in the US, a fund of funds called RallyCap R A L L Y C A P RallyCap Ventures. They are made up of Pretty high, pretty high up. Senior executives at um, Branch, Dollar, Stripe, Plaid, and some of the you know larger fintech unicorn fintech unicorns and, and insurtech tech unicorns um, in the U.S. and Europe, and they've got a fund that specifically looks at, um, at insure tech companies uh, in emerging markets. I'm trying to think of a specific insure tech fund in Africa, early stage. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything that does specific InsurTech, but I, a lot of them sort of get clubbed together with uh, with FinTech. But I mean, but, but if someone else, I can see um, Ash may know something. Do you want to add something there?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is also not InsurTech specifically, but I know they've included InsurTech, which is the Catalyst Fund, oh, yeah. uh, which is yeah. also sort of a... Um, kind of has similar funders and Afina has um, kind of partnered with over time. Um, So and I know that they've invested in some early stage insure techs um, and I feel like they've got a a good team.
5: Oh, and um, Lirius, sorry, Um, they're based in South Africa. Let me just put it in the link again. This is the first time that someone's doing a Zoom thing and you can't see the audience because I understand it's, it's being streamed live. But that particular fund, Lyrius.coza, it's, um, it's the VC arm of Hanoveri, E. And they specifically back um, insurtechs that have, but ultimately it has to result in some sort of premium collection to Hanoveri Because it's the insurtech arm of Hanoveri. So they're a good insurtech focused CBC, a corporate VC. Um, yeah. Like Bamboo. Bamboo does quite a few insure tech deals um, with a slight bias towards Francophone West Africa. But yeah, Bamboo is... Um, but also guys like... He, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm being very, very colloquial here. Um, go to all the top insure techs in Africa that have raised good money and look at who's on their cap table. Do some homework, Right. So look at so Lami. Someone mentioned Lami. Someone mentioned pineapple in South Africa. Um, gosh, naked, uh, backed by Sanlam. What's the other InsurTech in Kenya that raised a boatload of money recently outside of Lami? What's it? But go to these top InsurTech rounds and look at what VCs back them, and then go to those VCs and look at their portfolio, you know, pages on their websites. And that's how you and that's how you get in touch with them, right? As founders, you have to really do your homework on your funds and don't expect, you know, don't expect the mountain to come to Muhammad. Muhammad must go to the mountain. You know, I'm stepping on a lot of religious toes here, but do your homework on your funds, right? Super important. Um, way too many founders don't diligence their VCs um and crunchbase is you know has has quite a good repository of data as to who backed so what so what crunchbase will give you is they will tell you who backed the round right they will tell you how much they how much uh, how much they backed um when it happened and what the round size was what they won't tell you was is is what the valuation was which is okay but you want to know who led the round and that's that's how you suss out good good VCs right so
2: yeah, um, that will be my
0: advice. Thank you very much um, for these um, you know, useful links. Um, just so I can see that yourself and Ashley are actually putting in links and um, we're dropping this um, for our audience who are able to pick most of this. Um, I like to use the word sound use, uh, gems right, um, for, for that. <laughs> so um before we let you go we have just about seven more minutes to go um this last question will be um to ashley and uh, i know that one of your pillars um for Athena really um has to do with you know learning and advocacy um right so there's a question here that says that um what exactly are you doing in terms of learning in that space um then this, this would also bring me to asking about um your involvement with the BIMA lab. So would this sort of um, bring in other learning objectives, um, you know, to the accelerator program, especially for people that are looking to play in that space? Now, these are not existing startups. These are people that um, are at the stage of idea generation. So what exactly are the learnings from the FINA? Yeah, I
3: think that's, Um, so it's a a big question. I I think that really one of the reasons that Afina was founded was because there was a lack of evidence (laughs) around financial inclusion. Um, so as, as I mentioned, you know, one thing that we do in terms of just information is, um, just do some basic measurement, um, and research and, and really try to disseminate insights as broadly as possible. Um, but then I, I think that the question around learning is also important. I mean, we've, um, We've run in the past um, kind of innovation funds as well as a, a fintech challenge fund. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, one point of learning we've seen is actually the, the value of um, in addition to funding, like advisory support where it's needed um, for um, actually at all stages, even even businesses that have existed for a long time, but are trying to innovate um, and do something new. Um, really being able to tap into, uh, kind of expertise to take a, a test and learn approach, um, which we've looked at building more into kind of our grant funding structures, um, as well is important. Um, I think that maybe one specific thing that comes to mind for me that, that we've really not touched on yet in this discussion is that, um, so one learning point we took from our last, um, FinTech challenge fund is that, uh, for aFINA. FINA, gender is something that we really are thoughtful about um, driving women's financial inclusion is an important strategic target so all of our grants we have we had targets around reaching women um one learning point i took is that you know looking at the performance all of the fintechs kind of struggled to meet their targets related to reaching women um and as the as we talked about it it became clearer that their intent was there. Um, but the, the challenge was that they struggled with the how. Um, and so that was actually, that's a learning point that we've sort of taken to thinking about supporting the industry in, in uh, closing the gender gap and financial inclusion and, and reaching women more effectively. Um, and, and we're now, um, kind of working with the industry more around implementing this woman's financial inclusion framework. But I think that, um, there are some, uh, there are opportunities for insurtechs and other fintechs to really um, take advantage of more kind of human-centric design principles, um, uh, you know, at least leverage the the information that's available. And then um, there are a lot of partners who are available to help Um, um, kind of drive solutions that reach women and and reach other underserved groups more effectively, including Afina. Um, So I think that you know, starting with um, an understanding that reaching, you know, groups that are excluded are are kind of excluded for, because they're oftentimes more difficult to reach. Um, it takes some really deliberate, skilled effort to reach them, but it can be done. Um, and there's a, a, a wide partner network, including from Afina, that's available to support.
0: Great, great, great. Um, I think that's that's about the end of this. Um, thank you very much um for your contributions and for this awesome discussion Um, a lot of people have been giving um positive feedbacks and um, again like I said thank you so much for the nuggets because I'm pretty sure that um people will take this home and um, work on it because this is a time where a lot of people are looking for how to um, access funds to you know develop their ideas and what platforms they can, they have um, opportunities to um, leverage on you know, um, to jumpstart some of their startups or basically to just help expand um, these businesses and like what Zachariah mentioned um, in terms of finding the actual niche um, and you know, um, focusing on that area to to grow and develop where um, you know doing your homework, doing your research in terms of um, you know Um, Collaborating with you know people as well as um, finding out how you know these resources are made available um, at certain points in time. So yes, um, these are you know awesome conversations, and we want to say thank you for everybody that you know took time out to participate in this discussion. Thank you so much Um, again. This is to say that we'll continuously carry out these conversations to just ensure that we're able to move these conversations forward and um, we're able to increase the markets, um, the insurance market penetration um, on the continent. So I want to say thank you um, again. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Clara, Thank you, Zachariah. Thank you, Ashley. And of course, to my very co-host. Thank you, um, Damola. Over to you.
1: Yes, I uh, really appreciate the insights uh, from Ashley, from Zach, from Sam, you know, from Benro. And uh, thank you as well for building what you're building, for doing what you're doing. Uh, insuretech. Uh, we believe that insuretech is the next frontier for fintech, and uh, some of to things are what we are doing to help jumpstart that. Uh, and and we're happy that you are part of this.